what is good? Welcome to Spirit Bill Real Talk with Juliana. I am your host, Juliana Page, and I am so excited that you are here. I am an author, a speaker, and a professional life coach, but really, I am here to give you practical wisdom that you can integrate into every area of your life so that you can thrive and not just survive. So if you are ready to live a spirit-led life and level up your inner game so that you can win in your outer game. Let's dive right in. is good everybody welcome back to another episode of the spirit-filled real talk podcast we're going to talk today about inspired thinking inspired thinking because really and truly one of the most important aspects of seeing ourselves god's way involves developing an abundant prosperous mindset okay how we see ourselves will literally make or break us And myself included, we have a tendency to see ourselves as insufficient, as lacking something that we need, and and not supernaturally, definitely not abundantly like God does. And inspired thinking is really thinking in a way that is creative, innovative, and revelatory. Things, for example, that steal inspiration and where a lot of folks hang out, worry, fear, depression, boredom watching the news, listening to people complain, complaining ourselves, living in unbelief, things that can really put our imagination to sleep, entertainment, watching sports, watching TV, small talk, video games, scrolling through social media pages. And I'm saying these put your imagination to sleep because they don't require you to think. (laughs) They require you to zone out and be entertained. You actually don't have to use your mind for those things, right? Things that inspire our mind to be creative are exposing ourselves to challenges that need solutions. That doesn't always sound fun. However, when you see yourself as a solutionary or somebody that is full of solutions, that actually can get really exciting. And people will also pay you lots of money to solve their problems, right? Reading about great people and the things that they've accomplished, these things help inspire your mind to be creative as well, right? If other people were able to do this, if they were able to accomplish that, what is in me? What am I able to create? What am I able to accomplish? Dialoguing with inspiring people, you know, the people that have a way of just causing you to think differently. Writing in a way that requires you to paint with words, right? Many of us don't, and I know for years, I was always told to journal, and I just wouldn't do it. Little did I know it was holding back a gift that God had given me. And what good was that, just keeping that to myself? Researching ideas. I know this as a a journalist, right? Researching ideas is such a powerful way not to limit your mind into one perspective, but to really research a matter, right? Particularly when you take that to the word of God and doing a study on a certain word, let's say it's even love and breaking that down in many different ways according to the word so that you can actually practice it and apply it in your own life. So powerful. Watching documentaries. I love watching real life stories or even documentaries because it's real. It's people that are actually 
changing things or they've done a lot of the research for you and it does cause you to think. Externally processing with other smart people. <laughs> I will always be a lifelong learner going to conferences, investing in courses, having my own coach, just having people that really hold me to a higher standard. Listening to great teaching, particularly in the beginning of my relationship with God, and this is really, honestly to this day, one of the things that's always supplementing my personal time is listening to great teaching. It's so powerful because we're transformed, yes, by the renewing of our minds, but faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So it's really important to listen to great teachers who can break down the word of God because sometimes we can hear the same scripture over and over, but then one person can present it and break down the context in a way that just unlocks revelation for you. And then being on a question and answer panel, right? Just hearing different perspectives can really cause you to think differently. So some of the things that you can pray about, you can ask God about his thoughts on various subjects, how things work, why he created specific things, why certain people behave the way they do. You can pray to God about this. We often don't think that we can do that, but we absolutely can. We can imagine the future in partnership with God. Okay, I already know what it looks like to navigate in my own wisdom, in my own logic, in my own understanding, but what would a future in partnership with God look like? Or how do I dream with the Holy Spirit? That is so, so powerful because a lot of times we don't often hear that Holy Spirit is a person, not just a spirit floating around. He is the manifest power of God living and breathing through us. That's a big deal, and we don't always treat it as such, right? Make time to listen to the Lord with no agenda, allowing God to dictate the narrative, right? Sometimes we try to do God's thinking for him when we could just listen in his presence, and so much could be revealed to us, right? Reading the Bible while imagining the stories in your mind or imagining the various authors teaching you as you sit at their feet and listen, right? If you're reading the different uh, gospels, it's really powerful if you just imagine you're just listening to them tell you a story. And then ask the Holy Spirit about various Bible characters, personalities, what they were like, how they behaved, what inspired them. Okay, and then also testimonies, listening to God's stories can really inspire us to believe God for more in our lives. And also music, great music, especially for, especially worship music can really expand our mind as well. So we can think inspiring things every day, but a lot of times we live our life in default mode. Okay. Understand, though, that God has already equipped you with everything you need to live the prosperous life that he promised you. He planted seeds inside you filled with incredible potential, creative ideas, and dreams. But just because those things are within you doesn't mean they will do you any good. You actually have to start tapping into them. So in other words... You've got to believe beyond a shadow of a doubt that you have what it takes. You must keep in mind that you are a child of the Most High God and you are created for great things. God didn't make you to be average. God created you to excel and he's given you ability, insight, talent, gifts, and his supernatural power to do so. 
You literally have everything you need right now to fulfill your God-given destiny. The Bible actually puts it this way. God has blessed us with every spiritual blessing. Notice this description in the Bible is in past tense. God has already done it. He's already deposited within us everything we need to succeed. Now it's up to us to start acting on what we already possess. Okay. And a lot of times, whether it's, you know, we're not reading the word, we don't know what we possess. We're not putting in the time to find out what we possess. There's many things that actually block us from really leaning into this. We have a really great example though, Abraham. Okay. 20 years before he ever had a child, God spoke to him and said, Abraham, I have made you the father of many nations. Abraham could have said, who me? I'm not a father. I don't have any children right? That's probably what most of us would do. <laughs> Instead, Abraham chose to believe what God said about him. His attitude was, God, it doesn't seem possible in any natural sense, but I'm not going to doubt your word. I'm going, I'm not, I'm also not going to try to figure it out rationally. I'm just going to agree with you. If you say that Sarah and I can have a baby at our age, as outlandish as it may seem, I'm going to believe you. Interestingly, God's promise came to Abraham in the past tense, right? And although it carried a present tense reality, it also carried a future fulfillment. God regarded it as if it had already happened. I have made you a father of many nations. Okay, so obviously we know this story. God planned to give Abraham a son, but as far as he was concerned, it was already a done deal. Nevertheless, Abraham had a responsibility to trust God and believe. There's a verse in the Bible also that says, trust God and do good. <laughs> Our whole lives would get so much more manageable if we would just trust God and do good. So often, we forget that what people want and crave most is the supernatural peace that surpasses all understanding and the joy of the Lord that is our strength. Those two things, you can get through anything with those two things. And that is what people hunger for. That is what we crave, right? But so often we take that for granted and think that we're still missing out. So keep that in mind. That is the most important thing, is to really be walking in peace, walking in joy. The word actually says righteousness, peace, and joy. That's walking in the kingdom. Righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Okay, so we do that through the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, back to Abraham. <laughs> he had a responsibility, like we all do, to trust God and to believe. Trust God and do good. That's our strategy every day. Trust God and do good with what he's already put in your hands. Soon enough, right, in this story, some 20 years later, Abraham and Sarah did have a son who they named Isaac, okay? So throughout the Bible, God, if you look at it and read it this way, which I encourage you to do so, God has said great things about you, but those blessings will not happen automatically, okay? You have to do your part, believing that you are blessed, believing that you are sufficient, seeing yourself as blessed, acting as though you're, you have sufficiency. When you do, the promise will become a reality in your life. So an example of this, and then I'll get back to this teaching here, 
in the work that I do, <laughs> something that I've had to help some folks with and something that I've had to learn the hard way too, making many mistakes, is to actually operate, not just think, but actually think, believe, know, and then operate and act from a place of sufficiency, okay? Which to me, I, I call this acting like a professional, showing up like a professional, right? So in the realm of coaching and the work that I do, there is a lot of disappointment. There could be opportunities for a lot of discouragement if you're not renewing your mind, if you're not showing up in service, if you're not acting like a professional, if you're not doing your work, you can take things that happen, which are lots of no-shows, lots of people saying they want something but actually don't want something, people quitting, people not showing up, people canceling. Like this is just the reality of business. An example of this is picture, you know, a luxury car dealership. What do you think the average amount of people that actually walk in there and buy is? right? Versus the people that are just looking to see. They're trying to get a look-see, right? <laughs> a lot of people are more than happy to get for free any value that they can. But when it comes to investing, they actually don't want to invest. That's just the reality. They want to go and look and see what's available. But when it comes to investing, five out of, se five out of seven is probably the number. Five people won't actually buy out of seven, right? So only a few will actually buy. And if you get that, then people that don't show up or people that cancel or people that quit or people that are wishy-washy, it won't get under your skin in the same sort of way. And you'll be so busy <laughs> doing the work that you're here to do to serve that you're not going to invest in time, time and energy and emotion that people that aren't showing up. And you're going to invest all of that time and energy into the ones that do, with me. But if you're coming from lack or insufficiency, you might try to chase these people. You might try to beg these people. You might be worried about money and your income. And it gets messy real quick. And it's because you're not believing, right? So hopefully that example is helpful for somebody. But the Bible says we are more than conquerors. It doesn't say that we will be more than conquerors when we grow stronger, get older, have more clients, or achieve some supernatural, super spiritual level, right? Scripture says we are more than conquerors right now. Another way to say that too, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me right now. <laughs> Not sometime in the future, right now. So... Many of you could be thinking, well, that's just not true in my life, and that sounds great, but it doesn't work, right? I hear you saying maybe you have problems, maybe there's things coming against you, you know, maybe when you get out of this mess, you'll be more than a conqueror, but God actually declares, if you weren't making these excuses, God actually declares you are more than a conqueror right now, despite what you think, despite what you feel, despite what's going on in your world, you're more than a conqueror right now. And if you will start acting like it, talking like it, seeing yourself as more than a conqueror, you will live an abundant and victorious life. You will sow, right? And you will reap what you will sow. You must understand that the price has already been paid for you to have joy, peace, and happiness. You can be as free as you make up your mind to be. You can accept this gift or not. That's part of the package that God has made available to you, okay? 
And I'm sharing this with you on today because you really don't want to miss out on God's best. And I don't think that I would be doing you any service if I would just allow you to do that at all, right? So I just want you to think, are you thinking like God? Are you, do you desire that? Do you know that you can do that? What, what would it look like for you to start thinking like God? What would that take? What would that require of you? What priorities might you have to shift around? What might you have to let go of? Start thinking about that. Because the reality is, God has prepared a, a fabulous place for you. And it's already been paid for. He has everything you need there. Joy, forgiveness, restoration, peace, healing, whatever you need. It's waiting for you if you'll literally get into relationship with him, get in his presence and start receiving, start calling forth the things that he's promised you. And I'm, I'm not being insensitive here. You may actually have gone through some great disappointments in life or faced some serious setbacks. Me too, right? This is the real world though. You must remember regardless that you are a child of the most high God. And just because something didn't work out your way or somebody disappointed you, that doesn't change who you are. If one dream dies, dream another dream. If you get knocked down, get back up and go again. When one door closes, God will always open a bigger and better door. Hold your head high and be on the lookout for the new thing that God wants to do in your life. But don't go off in the corner of your life and start just murmuring, complaining, regressing, <laughs> right? You may have also had a rough start in life. Perhaps you experienced horrible poverty, despair, abuse, other negative things during your childhood. You may be tempted to let those experiences and those narratives in your mind set the course for the rest of your life. But just because you started life that way doesn't mean you have to finish that way. You need to get a fresh vision of what God can do in your life and develop an abundant mindset. Start thinking inspired thoughts, <laughs> right? It's making me think of Peter Pan here a little bit, right? But truthfully, that, that is where change happens. It starts in our mind and we downplay this so, so much. We can choose to be peaceful. We can choose to be joyful. We can choose what we're going to think. It's true. Okay. Maybe you've come from a poor environment or maybe you don't have a lot of material possessions right now. That's okay. God has good things ahead for you. But let me caution you, don't allow that poverty image to become ingrained inside you. This insufficiency, lack, not enough, unworthiness. Don't grow accustomed to living with less, doing less, and being less to the point that you eventually sit back and just accept that as your reality. Okay, That doesn't have to be the, the way that it's always going to be. Just because it, you see it, that's just because it looks that way doesn't mean that's going to be the way it always is going to be. You can start. This is the good news. The Bible is good news, which in this case, you can start looking through the eyes of faith, seeing yourself rising to new levels, seeing yourself overcoming, seeing yourself living right? With, the, with an income that's beyond your wildest imagining. Seeing yourself invest in other people the way you wish you would have been invested in. You actually can be the answer. You can be the solution. You can become it. You can see yourself prospering and keep that image in your heart and your mind. 
right? You may be living less than in the moment, but don't ever let that live inside of you. You can let wealth and abundance and prosperity really grow on the inside of you, and then you'll start to see it around you, okay? The Bible says, too, God takes pleasure in prospering his children. As his children prosper spiritually, physically, and material, their increase brings God pleasure. So when we go through life with a poverty mentality, a lack mentality, unworthiness, insufficiency, it's not glorifying to God. It's not. It doesn't honor his great name. God is not pleased when we drag through life defeated, depressed, perpetually discouraged by our circumstances. He's pleased when we develop an abundant mindset. And there's a sacrifice connected to that. It doesn't feel good to think and to believe what God has written, what is true, when it looks like the opposite. <laughs> That's the sacrifice. Will you simply believe? Will you choose peace? Will you choose joy? Will you trust God and do good? Right? Or will you murmur? Will you complain? Will you call people out? Will you judge them? Will you criticize? Will you scrutinize? Will you tear down? Right? What will you do? Too often, we become satisfied and complacent, accepting whatever comes our way. That actually doesn't even require us to think. <laughs> There's no inspired thinking involved there. There's no creativity. We're just waiting for somebody else to give us an out, right? We, we think in our mind, like we've gone as far as we can go. We'll never get any more promotions. This is just our lot in life, right? But it's not true, your quote-unquote lot in life is to continually increase, to go from strength to strength and from glory to glory. Now, there's a process connected to that. That's not just like an instant transfer, <laughs> right? There is a process that you walk out, but that is your lot in life. Your lot in life is to be an overcomer, to live prosperously in every area, right? You get to do and, and really experience great things. And it's a tragedy to go through life as a child of the king, yet a lowly pauper, right? We, we are God's children in his eyes, but in ours, maybe we're a pauper, right? And this is really what happened to a character in the Bible as well. There was a grandson of Saul, okay, and Saul, you may recall, Saul, Saul's son Jonathan and David were best friends. They actually entered into a covenant relationship similar to being blood brothers, right? That means whatever one had, it belonged to the other. So if Jonathan needed food, clothing, money, he could go to David's house and get whatever he needed. Okay, so in the covenant relationship, if something were to happen to one of these two men, the remaining brother would be obligated to take care of the other's family. Okay, so in this story, King Saul and Jonathan were actually killed in battle on the same day. And when word got back to the palace, a servant, Jonathan's little son, well, so there's a, a gentleman, I'm sorry. So there's a gentleman named Mephibosheth. Okay, Mephibosheth is the grandson of King Saul. That was his name. All right, so Jonathan's little son picked Mephibosheth up and took off running. All right, going out of Jerusalem in such haste, the servant tripped and fell while carrying Mephibosheth. Okay, this caused Mephibosheth to become crippled as a result of that fall. The servant 
transported Jonathan's son all the way to a city called Lodabar, one of the most poverty-stricken, desolate cities in the entire region. And then that is where Mephibosheth, grandson of the king, lived almost his entire life. Okay, think about that. He was the grandson of King Saul, okay, yet he was living in those terrible conditions. Now, David succeeded Saul as king, and years later, after Saul and Jonathan were mere memories in the minds of most people, David, because of this covenant connection, right, asked his staff the question, is there anyone left from the house of Saul that I could show kindness to for Jonathan's sake? Remember, that was part of the covenant they'd enter. If something happens to me, will you take care of my family? But by now, most of Saul's family was dead. And thus, David's question here. Okay, so one of David's staff members replied, Yes, David, Jonathan has a son who's still alive, but he's crippled and he lives in Lodabar. David said, Go get him and bring him to the palace. So when Mephibosheth arrived, he was no doubt fearful. After all, his grandfather had chased David throughout the country trying to kill him. Okay? <laughs> now that Saul's family had been decimated and no longer a threat to David, Mephibosheth may have felt that David planned to execute him as well. Right? That probably would be what I was thinking. But David said to him, don't be afraid. I'm going to show you kindness because of your father, Jonathan. I'm going to give you back all the land that once belonged to your grandfather, Saul. And from that day forward, he would eat at his table as one of David's sons. So David, in this story, treated Mephibosheth as royalty. After all, he was the grandson of the king. And David was in a covenant relationship with his father. So just think about this character, right? Crippled from a young age, off in Lodabar, and his life was transformed instantly. That's the good news. But think of all the years that he lived in Lodabar. All the while, he knew he was royalty. Beyond that, it was commonly known that David and Jonathan were in a covenant relationship. Based on that alone, Meshibbeth, Oh my goodness, this one saying it so fast. Mephibosheth, come on, <laughs> knew he had rights, okay? So think about this for you. Why when we have rights, right? Why when we know we're royalty, why don't we just go to the palace? Why don't we just claim what's ours, right? Why didn't he just go to the palace and say, King David, I'm, Jonathan, I'm Jonathan's son. I'm living in poverty down in Lodabar. And I know that I'm made for more than that right? I'm here to claim what belongs to me through my father's covenant relationship with you. Like, why didn't he just do that? Why did Mephibosheth settle for mediocrity? Why, right? We catch a clue actually from this in his initial response to David. So when David told him that he was going to take care of him, the Bible says that Mephibosheth bowed his head low and said, who am I that you should notice a dead dog like me? Like what? Right? So do you see his self-image here? And this is what we do too. He saw himself as defeated as a loser. And in his words, a dead dog. He saw himself as an outcast and that became his reality despite being royalty himself, right? Yes, he was the grandson of the king, but his image of himself kept him from receiving the privileges that rightfully belonged to him. 
And how many times, this is my question that I want to invite you to think about today, how many times do we do this same thing? Our self-image, our self-concept, what we are constantly thinking in our mind about what we are worthy of, what we're allowed to have versus what we're not allowed to have, what's normal, what's not normal, the standard that we're going to set for our lives, the values that we're going to have, the kind of relationships that we're going to tolerate or keep entertain, however you want to view it. How many times do we do the same thing, right? Our self-image, our thinking is so contrary to the way God sees us that we miss out on God's best, right? God sees us as champions. He sees that every fight that we're in is a fixed fight, right? And it's us. It's us that see ourselves as dead dogs, quote unquote, right? So just as in this story, Mephibosheth had to cast off that dead dog mentality, replacing it with an abundant mindset. That's no easy feat when you've been ruminating on that for years, right? And you and I must do that. We, you may have made some mistakes in life, but if you've honestly repented and done your best to do right since then, you no longer have to live with guilt and shame. You don't have to. You may not be everything you want to be. You may be crippled physically, spiritually, or emotionally. That does not change God's covenant with you. You see how the story is connected? You are still a child of the Most High God. He still has great things in store for you. You need to be bold and claim what belongs to you. That's true of all of us. It doesn't matter your background. It doesn't matter what you see. It doesn't matter where you come from. It brings God no pleasure for you to live in your own personal low to bar, whatever that looks like for you, in poverty, low self-esteem, with a dead dog mentality, with a bad attitude, right? How would you feel if your children had that kind of attitude toward you, right? <laughs> or your friends or your family? How would you feel, right? Really, what, what you'd really want to say is, son, daughter, what in the world are you doing? What are you doing, right? Get up here and take your place. All of this is prepared for you. You actually insult me when you act like a dog begging for scraps when I've given you the kingdom, right? So God is saying something similar. You are part of the family. Rise up and receive what rightfully belongs to you. And one of the ways that we do that is getting inspired in our thinking. Inspired, one of the reasons I love that word is it literally means in spirit. <laughs> so I consider it walking in step with the Holy Spirit. My mind is being renewed to the mind of Christ. Holy Spirit is helping me renew my mind as I read the word of God, right? My spirit is a spirit of power, love, and a sound mind. And when I live from that spirit every day, things change. My heart is purified. It's not broken. It's not faulty not dysfunctional. My heart is purified by the blood of Christ. God's renewed my mind, renewed a right spirit in me, created in me a pure heart. And I walk from that pure heart and I think from that pure heart and I talk from that pure heart, right? Think about that. As you start living that way, you will rise up and receive what rightfully belongs to you, okay? Do you want to make God happy? Ultimately, our answer is probably yes, right? Then start enjoying his blessings. It's not what you hear. You typically hear, stop sinning, be obedient, read your word. <laughs> you normally hear religion, right? 
But if you want to make God happy, start enjoying his blessing. Start believing what he says about you. Start thinking inspired thoughts, inspired by the Holy Spirit. Start expecting God to speak to you, lead you, guide you into the good things that he's planned for you long before you were even born, right? You don't have to live in guilt and shame and condemnation and lack and fear, anxiety. You don't have to live your life in condemnation, going through each day worried and full of fear. The price has been paid. Your freedom is included if you'll just rise up and take your place. You can develop an abundant mindset, seeing yourself as the royalty God made you to be. And that is where vision will come from, right? That is where we'll start rising higher when we start seeing God's plans, God's purposes for our lives. Not our plans, not our purposes, but when we start seeing what he sees, we start seeing ourselves rising higher. We start seeing ourselves overcoming obstacles and we start seeing ourselves living an abundant life, right? The pictures you allow in your mind will determine what kind of life you live. And that's why it's so important not to let your mind and your imagination go to sleep. That's one of the best tools that God has ever given you. Or to let your your mind not even do any work. Your mind is meant to function and it works if we work it, right? So the pictures you allow in your mind will determine what kind of life you live. And this often comes from what we're exposing ourselves to. If you will change those pictures and start seeing yourself as healthy, strong, talented, fit, successful, you'll be moving toward blessing, favor, promotion, and abundance every day. It's really the lack of inspired thinking, not thinking like God, right? Not renewing our mind, not taking that seriously, not being diligent about renewing our mind that can create lack of vision and lack of vision can severely limit us. But I'm here on the podcast today to ask you to dare to dream again, dare to have a big vision for your abundant life and trust that God will bring it to pass right? You don't have to figure out how it's going to happen. Just know what, right? What's been promised to you? Why do you get to have it? (laughs) What and why? Let God help you with the how. All you have to do is believe and that vision will become a reality, okay? So I just want to encourage you to start thinking like God. You don't have to think like yourself. You don't have to think like other people. You actually don't have to be limited in your mind is all at all. You don't have to be limited. What would it like what would it be like to have an abundant mindset? What does God think about that situation that you wrestle with, about that relationship that you think is long gone? What does God say? What does he think about that? Ask him. If you don't know, ask him. Ask him to lead you in his truth. Ask him to bring revelation to you. Ask him to give you wisdom. Ask him to help you see things differently. God, I'm willing to see things differently. Show me what you've got. All right? So I just release inspired thinking over you today. I release inspired thinking over you today. (laughs) All right. And if you want to do a 30-day challenge, actually, maybe 
but you could make the challenge all about growing and inspired thinking. I'm doing a 30-day challenge over on my YouTube channel. They're free videos that go up every day to really help you develop your daily practice and developing daily time for you with God. So if that is something that you're interested in, go subscribe to the Juliana Page YouTube channel. That is when you will be, that's how you'll be notified that a new video will come out. And also got some exciting things coming up here. So the best way to stay in the know is to go visit julianapage.com and make sure that you grab some of the freebies that are on the site and also subscribe to my newsletter. All right, guys, until next time, stay blessed.